Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everyone, thanks for being here at Walking with Freya. This interview today is with a woman who works in the special needs community, but not in a way we've talked about before. I was very intrigued when I first learned about her and her work back in episode 25 when I interviewed Carrie of Yaya Podcasting. She is a mother to a teenage son with autism. She is the one who first introduced me to the work of Andrea Clunder. Carrie, by the way, interviewed me for her own podcast called Just Podcast. I'm episode four. And that is about my experience as a podcaster. Oh, what tangled webs we weave. (laughs) Before we get into this interview, though, I want to tell you all that I attended my first conference related to Freya's disorder. It was the PWS Behavior Management Conference put on by Lisa Graziano of the Prader-Willi California Foundation. It was down in the uh, city of El Macero. My friend laughed at me for saying that, but it was still bigger than Humboldt. (laughs) Um, It's just outside of Davis which is just outside Sacramento. I got to stay with a sweet family who I have met because of PWS and this podcast. I interviewed Emily way back in May of 2018. That was episode 11. They have a daughter. This family has a daughter who is Freya's age. Freya and Ollie have met briefly, and we even FaceTime the next morning before the conference. It was really cute. I mention this because I think that sometimes people lament over the friends that maybe they've lost touch with or feelings of isolation from their own communities once they uh, start on this journey. But the exciting thing is how many new friends there are to be made and the new community that we get to be a part of. Uh, The conference was great. It was informative, inspiring, disheartening at times. I came away from it feeling a mixture of empowerment and heaviness but that is the reality of this journey right some things are just freaking hard and intense especially sometimes the unknowable of the future i listened to her talk about behaviors that can sound overwhelming and slightly terrifying and towards the end she reiterated what i already know that individuals with pws can never live successfully on their own and that there is also an extraordinary stress that parents often feel when raising a child with PWS. I knew all that, but just to kind of go over it again sometimes is just, okay, weighs you down a little bit. But then you shake it off, and you move on. And uh, you know what I did get out of it? I learned ways to get Freya to hurry when I need her to without causing arguments. I learned more about the biochemistry of Freya's brain, which helps in understanding the ways that we approach issues. And I learned ways to interact with her when she is escalating emotionally. Turns out I was doing some of it wrong. (laughs) The big two 
that I took away are to remain calm and emotionally unattached, which is probably the hardest parenting technique ever. For me, anyway. And the other is to use empathy, especially when what she is upset about can't be changed. And, um, I mean, we talked, you know, we went into it a lot. I am hoping to, I'm going to reach out to this woman and hopefully interview her for the podcast. Cause I think she, she, I mean, she did, she had a lot of great things to say. Some, even if some of it was overwhelming and, um, some of it, I feel like at least at this point in Freya's life, she is a little more resilient than the picture that was being painted. And I hope that I'm not proven wrong, but we'll see. And I mean that about like the structure around food and things like that. Um, I also yesterday spent three hours typing up these notes to give to Freya's teachers and uh, the people that work with her. And so I was kind of just really immersed in it and uh, I'm ready to kind of shake it off and, and have these skills and then, you know, go about our life because we do have to live a life. And, and while this is part of that life, it's not everything about that life. So you learn these skills, you get these little tools in your toolkit, as they say, and then you take some deep breaths and, and, uh, you know, you go on about your day. So that's, um, that's what I'm doing. For now, I will remind you to please tell a friend about this podcast, leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. I think you can do it there. Check out my website at annfricke.com, A-N-N-E-F-R-I-C-K-E.com, and sign up for the email list for the Walking with Freya community. You can also sign up for my author newsletter if you're interested. I know I keep talking about this writing journal, um, and it will be out soon, I promise. Honestly, I got stuck on one writing piece for one section. So for each section, I have my own writing. And uh, this one section, I just, this piece, I've written it three or four times. And I really want it to be a good one. So I'm working on it. The book is formatted and everything. It's ready to go. All I need to do is plug in this one piece when I'm done and happy with it. And then I will hit publish. So I will definitely let you all know when I do that. Until then, let's talk about something offered for older students. So Andrea Klender works at Ray Graham Training Center in Chicago, a high school for diverse learners and students with special challenges and needs. There, she runs a podcast mentoring program called Power Your Story. She helps the students create and produce their very own podcast. It is a space where students who may not always be heard have a voice. Andrea explained to me how the program works, her students' level of involvement, how she sees some of her students overcoming things like speech challenges, the affirmation they feel when seeing the analytics of how many people are listening, and how you can learn more about possibly starting programs like this in your child's school and community. The podcast is called Power Your Story. It's found on all of your podcast apps. The students would love it if you checked it out and gave it a listen, and I think you would too. I do feel the need to point out that while um, during the interview, she does talk for a minute about the good quality of their podcast, and I realize that this is in direct contrast to the echoey sound of my own voice and the dogs barking in the background, and uh, so I just needed to point that out. It's a little embarrassing, but this interview was done a few months ago, and I'm learning more and more about sound quality as I go along. 
Thankfully, when Andrea talks, which is most of the interview, of course, she sounds great. So it's not going to be a hard interview to listen to. Also, my internet was totally bugging out that day for some reason. My power was going out, which was making the internet go out. So we did get cut off about four or five times and had to restart. You don't hear those transitions, but if it sounds like we jumped a topic for a moment, that that's why. But it's it's it flows smoothly, and it's a great interview. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So... I really love the work that Andrea does, and I'm always inspired to learn about exciting opportunities for our children. So have a listen, get inspired, and I will be back in two weeks as usual, this time with an interview of a local mom who is new to this journey. So you'll definitely want to come back and check that one out. All right, I hope everyone is doing well, staying strong, staying positive, staying calm. In the face of uh, oppositional brains, hope it's uh, hope it's good for you all. Thank you for being here. So, hello, Andrea. Everyone, Hi. I am here with Andrea Clunder, and she got mentioned in an interview that I did with Carrie from Yaya Podcasting. And Andrea works in the special needs community in Chicago. Yeah, so if you could just go ahead and explain what it is you do in that community. Absolutely. So right now I have a podcast mentoring program called Power Your Story. And this is a program that is in collaboration with After School Matters and Chicago Public Schools. After School Matters is a huge local nonprofit that creates um, extracurricular programming for high school students specifically in the Chicago public schools. And it's made up of a huge network of independent instructors and companies and organizations to create programs in a variety of different content areas from performing arts to culinary skills, to leadership skills, to sports and athletics, to technology. And I happen to do podcasting and I specifically work in a school called Ray Graham Training Center High School. And Ray Graham is part of the Chicago Public School System. And specifically, they are a high school for diverse learners and students with special challenges and needs. And that can range from anything from being completely nonverbal to being highly verbal. It can range from learning disabilities, cognitive intellectual disabilities, to Down syndrome, to autism spectrum, to cerebral palsy. Uh, there is a very wide range of what the actual diagnoses are of the students who attend this particular school. And the reason why I got started in this school, it was, it was not actually something that I ever set out to do like, oh... I produce podcasts and now I'm going to create a mentoring program for students with special needs. Like that was never the intention. I actually came into it because I needed money. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I actually, my students just interviewed me recently on a Facebook live video for their program. And one of the questions they asked me was why I wanted to start teaching podcasting and I confessed this to them that it was never because I necessarily wanted to teach 
teach it, but because I needed to earn money to live. And I think some of them were a little bit shocked <laughs> that I said that. They're like, what? You mean you don't love teaching us? Well, of course I do now. But I was producing podcasts and for myself and kind of cobbling together some part-time jobs, a little bit of business income for coaching here and there. And this opportunity came my way through a totally different nonprofit in Chicago that doesn't even exist anymore. And they were looking for a last minute instructor to teach digital journalism in this high school with students with special needs. And they wanted somebody with high school teaching experience, uh, diverse learning experience, professional journalism experience. And my partner who was teaching a, a different program at that time through that organization at a different school, he said, oh, this, this program is perfect for you. You should apply for this job. And I was thinking, I, I do not have this experience. <laughs> I am not a professional journalist. I have worked with high school students, but not high school students with special needs. And prior to podcasting, my primary career was teaching yoga and meditation. And I did have some kindergarten and preschool uh, yoga students who were autism spectrum and but I didn't have like it was like bits and pieces here and there I didn't have any professional training and I was thinking there's no way I can do that job and he said there's no way anyone can do that job who has that kind of experience it's <laughs> it's three specific niches smushed into one and it's last minute and you need income just apply and so I did and they hired me <laughs> and I did uh, join their digital journalism program. I worked with a, a special education teacher who's on full-time staff there who was in charge of the journalism program. I had two classes and I would come in a couple days a week to support her class, specifically on bringing professional skills and trying to help them take what was a PDF printout newspaper for the school and put some elements online and add some video elements and add some audio elements. And that first day that I showed up to class, I did not know what to expect. I had no idea what, I mean, I had a lesson plan, but I had no idea whether this lesson plan made any sense. She had suggested to me that though I was working with high school students, students who, you know, their chronological age is generally for that class somewhere between 17 to 21, because my students are able to stay in their program until their 22nd birthday, uh -huh. uh, that chronologically that was their age and that their grade level might be, you know, 10, 11, or 12, that a lot of times she geared her lesson plans more towards like a middle school lesson plan. Mm -hmm. uh, so because I didn't really know what to expect, I just kind of showed up. I learned a lot that year. <laughs> <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes and also had some success. And when that nonprofit went away, there was no funding for me to continue. And I was actually really sad. And the school was really sad because the students were getting a lot out of the program. And that is when I pitched the podcast program to After School Matters. They picked it up, they funded it, and now uh, Power Your Story is the name of our podcast. It is available anywhere that you listen to podcasts, so Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and 
very important to my high school students. We are also available on Facebook and YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) They like don't care about any of the other podcast apps except Spotify. Oh, wow. Okay. But they, but the first question they ask me is, are we on YouTube? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. So you record all of you video, all of the podcast interviews. We do everything audio. Okay. Uh, So everything is audio. Basically what we do is we have seasons each calendar year. There's three seasons and this is broken up to match the after school matters programming. So we have fall and spring during the regular school year. And then we have a summer session in between and each season. So now we've just completed our fall season production, which is season five. And I'm a little behind. So I'm still releasing episodes from season three and four. Mm-hmm. However, we have uh, handheld audio recorders, and the students spend their production time doing a number of different types of episodes. It's all audio based, and we do personal narrative stories. So they're able to, if they wish, tell stories from their lives. So, for example, we have a story from one student in season one about the first time he got an electric wheelchair as opposed to having a manual wheelchair and what w- that was like. Um, We have a story from a student that'll be coming out this season about how he has managed to lose five cell phones in the past two years. (laughs) We have uh, stories from students about the first time they ever rode a roller coaster at Six Flags Great America, which is very close to Chicago. So there's a variety of different personal stories that the students will tell. And we also do interviews with different people in the community, different professionals who are doing things that the students are interested in. And then we also do what I call educational episodes, where we might do some research on a particular topic and then record an episode on that topic to educate our listeners. So for example, how to get your first job or... Uh, Another educational one is what to do if you or someone that you know is being bullied. And then we release the audio podcast, like I said, professionally, wherever you get podcasts. And I, I think what's really interesting is that though I've done video in the journalism classes with the students, and some of the students really like video, there's something very freeing about audio for them where... Even students who have challenges with uh, verbal communication and speaking, they become more confident when no one is really looking at them. So if they just have the microphone and the recorder in their hand and they're able to say what it is that's on their mind and they don't have a camera, their speaking skills actually become better. And they stumble a little bit less over their words. If, If they have a speech impediment, it sometimes can decrease a little bit then when they're on camera, they're so caught up in how they look and Mm. getting it right and things like that. They become nervous and some of those verbal challenges become worse. And that's not just for students with special needs. That's for all humans. I'm much worse on camera than I am (laughs) on a microphone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it does add, it adds a whole element to it of, um, of insecurity for sure. I will say, though, one thing they love doing that I wish we had time or we allocated more time in our program to do is on our Power Your Story podcast Facebook page, 
they love doing Facebook Live. It's like the most fun thing for a lot of them. Why, why is that, do you think? I think it's because I've positioned it as because you don't have an opportunity to edit because we do our podcasts, we edit. So it, they know that if they make a mistake or if they stumble on the podcast, it's okay because we're going to edit. On the video, they know that there is no opportunity to edit. Therefore, no one expects it to be perfect. And so that also in a different way takes the pressure off a little bit. Okay. And they kind of feel like a celebrity. Like for them, they love watching. How many viewers do we have? Who's viewing it? How many viewers do we have now? How many viewers do we have? And just the, the fact that anyone would watch their video and be interested in it and want to see them and hear what they have to say is amazing to them. I remember the first time I ever showed them when you have a podcast, you, you know this, but your listeners may not know this. <laughs> when you have a podcast, you can go into your podcasting account and see how many downloads you've had of each episode and yeah. essentially, you know, make a guess as to how many people are listening to your show. And a lot of times in professional podcasting circles and in Facebook groups, people are always disappointed by their downloads or they're comparing themselves or feeling like they should have more downloads by now. The first time I ever showed my students their stats, I was a little bit nervous because they didn't seem very high uh -huh. to me. But when they looked at them, they said, a hundred people listened to our show. <laughs> and they were uh, like, they were completely stunned and surprised that anyone would listen to what they have to say. And that gave them so much confidence to move forward with what they were doing. I think it's really affirming whether it's podcast downloads or whether it's Facebook live viewers, it's so affirming to them to know that people are paying attention to them. Yeah. What a, I mean, what a great program and how empowering for them to have control over what they're making and what they're, you know, what's getting put out there. And then to see that people are listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yay. Good for, the, good for them <laughs> and good for you. I mean, I love it. I, yeah, I was, when, yeah. Uh, when Carrie brought this up and in the interview and was telling me about it, I was blown away. I was really excited to talk with you. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, absolutely. So how much, I know, I mean, you told me a bit in your email, but um, can, can we talk a bit about what parts that you do? You do the editing and you help them come up with, with themes and with questions and schedule the guests, right? And then yeah. they, they kind of take on the, the interviews and the recording part of it. Exactly. So every season is a little bit different. The first season, I did a lot of it myself because we were just trying to figure out what we were doing and what was possible. And I was getting to know the students and what they were interested in. The, the first season of students, they didn't even know what a podcast was. They were just assigned to the program by the school administration. Wow. So they had no idea what they were getting into. A few of them had previously been in my journalism class. So those students did ha at least have an idea of what a podcast was. 
But I remember trying to explain it to them as radio that you could listen to from your phone whenever you wanted. And one of my students raised his hand and he said, Miss Clunder, we don't listen to the radio. <laughs> and I was like, fair point. Um, okay, we'll have to think of a different way to describe it. And I didn't have anything. And as we, the weeks went on, that same student was like, Miss Clunder, I get what podcasts are. And I said, what's that? And he said, YouTube without the video. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes. And so from now on, that is how I describe podcasts to my high school students. It's YouTube without the video. And uh, so that first season, I did a lot of the work. We didn't have a theme. I partnered with the same special education teacher, Laura Burgess, who I was partnering with in the journalism program. And we basically looked at the students' IEPs, which uh, actually, since I am not an employee of Chicago Public Schools, I'm an employee of After School Matters and I'm independent, I actually am not allowed to see their IEPs directly, uh, which can sometimes be a challenge because I don't always know exactly what each student is working with individually. Uh -huh. But she had access to that, obviously, as their, as their teacher. So we kind of went through what some of their IEPs were, what some of their personal learning goals were for the semester or for the year, and then also asking the students what they were interested in. And we just kind of did a hodgepodge of topics based on that. Then I felt like that was a lot of work, and we were you know, reaching out in a lot of different directions. And so I thought it would be easier for me. And then also a little bit of a challenge for them rather than saying, you can make a podcast about anything you want to give them a theme. That makes and sense. To help, yeah. And to give them the opportunity to start thinking categorically, to start thinking critically about how can we explore this theme. And so we started voting on themes at the beginning of the season and then looking at, okay, who wants to do an interview style episode? Who wants to do a personal story style episode? Who wants to do an educational episode? And there are some students who gravitate more toward one or the other. And there are some students who want to do 20 episodes in a season. And I have to kind of rein them in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Can't do everything. There's no time. So once we have our theme... We brainstorm ideas. I look at my professional network and see who I can bring in for an interview, whether that's somebody who's local, who I can physically bring to the school for an in-person interview, or whether that's somebody that we can reach out to an interview over Skype or some other electronic. You know, I, I had a question about when you're, when you're working with these students and mm -hmm. do you have, like, what's the, the range of abilities um, I think I'm thinking more of like intellectual abilities and how do you kind of, if it is a big range, like, is it difficult to kind of navigate fairly, uh, to make sure everybody's getting their part in, in the podcast? Yeah, it's a question because we do have a range and at any given time, I'm usually working with between 12 to 15 students and this has been a huge learning curve for me because one of the things that's really important to me in the program is that everyone gets to participate in some way, shape, or form, and that everyone's voice gets heard in some way. So for the podcast program, 
the students who are eligible for the podcast program have to be eligible for the school's work program. So they have an in-house program with a job coordinator where once they've completed most of their academic requirements for graduation, they're then able to be part of the work program where they get uh, job training, the school helps them get interviews, and in some cases they go off-site during the school day for jobs, and in some cases they get jobs in-house at the school. So my program fits into that work program because through After School Matters, the students actually receive a stipend for participating, and it's considered work. Therefore, the students who are in the work program have already completed their academic requirements, or at least most of them. I tend to have students in that program who have more higher functioning skills in terms of verbal communication, interpersonal communication, et cetera. Some of them are very articulate and highly verbal, and some less so. Some are very verbal, but are difficult to understand in terms of their speech. So in that case, we will do a couple of different things. When I have an interview guest, I might send the interview guest the questions ahead of time so that they have them in front of them. I'll have another student partner with that student so that they might repeat the question so that we hear both voices. And then uh, in the journalism classes, it's a an even wider range of abilities. And so we do have some students who are completely nonverbal in those classes. And we have some students who use speech devices. Mm -hmm. And so we've actually, in the journalism classes, and we don't have this on the Power Your Story podcast yet, but I do have one student that I've worked with in journalism who really wants to be in the podcast program. She keeps asking me. So I'm gonna try to get her into it for spring. And she uses a speech device. And so in that case, a lot of times we'll pre-program questions or we'll pre-program whatever that student wants to say for the podcast and we'll record the speech device with those questions or with what it is that she wants to say or contribute, which I think is a really interesting, I think that's really interesting as a listener uh -huh. The idea, I mean, most people in the general population do not ever have an opportunity to listen to or interact with somebody using an electronic speech device. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I never have. And, uh, and I, it would be very interesting to hear it. And what a, how powerful Bird to have to be able to, to be heard like that. I just think this is so great. I mean, the, the opportunity the opportunities that these kids are getting to be out there. And this is something that was probably never even really thought of that she would be able to have her voice out there like that. Would yeah. And that's one thing that I've noticed too, as I share the podcast with more people and for example, Carrie, who was on your show, Carrie and I met at podcast movement last summer, I did a talk at the conference about this program and I played some audio clips from our show. And what's interesting to me, and this has been interesting to watch in myself as well, is how surprised people are that the podcast is good. Uh, and, I <laughs> and I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that they're young and in high school 
uh-huh. and how much of that has to do with the fact that they have disabilities. Right. But it always blows my mind how people are expecting a very low quality product from the people who are creating them, from these students. And then when they get a very high quality product, they're just blown away and shocked in a way that you wouldn't be surprised by a neurotypical adult without any known disabilities creating a podcast. Right. And that was something that was really important to me from the beginning too, is that the episodes get edited, not because we have to erase the student's disabilities or pretend they don't have speech impediments or anything like that, but because I edit my episodes. And so if my episodes are going out into the world edited, there's no reason why theirs shouldn't as well. Yeah. Everybody should be editing their podcast. So before we got cut off, uh, we were getting into like how much of the podcast that that your students are doing. Yeah. So we were talking about themes for the season and how typically my students will vote on their themes at the beginning of the season. This time around for season six, which will start up in February, I had them vote now so that I had more time to prepare. And I think the theme that we're going to use for February are my favorite things. And so each student is going to get to choose one of their favorite things and do an episode around that. So I have some students who are very into anime. I have some that are into sports. Find uh, interview subjects, often from my professional network and my personal network. And then the students get assigned two to three students per interview for the interviews. And then some students will choose that they want to do a personal story related to that theme. So for the interview students, we'll research the guest as a class, learn a little bit about them from their website, and then we'll collectively make a Google Doc of brainstorming questions. So the whole class will brainstorm questions. And I might coach them a little bit as to how to phrase their questions as more open-ended rather than yes-no questions. And I might coach them on what order we should ask the questions in. But other than that, they get to brainstorm the questions. And then they also have the flexibility when we are doing the interview, I always say, we have our list of questions. This is the plan. But if another question comes into your mind while you're talking to this person that isn't on the list, you should always ask the question that comes into your mind. And so some of the students are getting more comfortable with going off script. And asking the questions that come to their mind. Sometimes it takes us down a weird rabbit hole. (laughs) But sometimes it really works. Uh, Then the students themselves record the interviews. Of course, I'm always helping them check their tech to make sure everything is functioning properly. But they do have these individual handheld audio recorders that they pretty much know how to function on their own. I just kind of double check to make sure they have their settings right. They do the interview, they record it, and then for editing, mostly I and my partner who does the audio engineering, we are mostly doing their editing for them. We've been working on editing in class, and there are, I'm going to say out of a class of 15 this season, I had three who really like editing. And I think that's pretty normal across 
podcasters, there's a very small percentage of us who actually enjoy editing. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm not one of them. (laughs) And so it's not surprising to me that the rest of the class, if I said today, we're going to be working on editing, I get groans. And then there's three students who are really excited. So we would do more editing if there were more time in the program. You know, I'd love to be able to send students home with editing assignments. And in fact, this season, I did send one student who was very excited about editing and he was very good and very fast. And he said, Ms. Clunder, can I please take some editing home with me? And I said, you know, I don't usually assign homework for this class. And he said, that's fine. And I said, you know, you're not getting any extra credit. You're not getting paid extra if you take editing home to work on. He said, that's fine. And so I gave him a flash drive. I put some episodes on there for him to work on. And he came back a week later and he said, oh, I'm almost done. I did this, this, and this. And I said, great, make sure you're backing your work up to your computer as well. And he said, okay, okay. The next week I said, hey, did you finish those episodes? He said, I lost the flash drive. (laughs) And I said, did you back it up to your computer? No, I did not. Are you sure? Can we check your computer? Because we're in a computer lab at the school. And he said, okay, let's check. No, it's not here. And I just, Uh, you know, it's like I, I have backup copies of those unedited files. But this is the same student who recorded a personal story about how he lost five cell phones in two years. <laughs> so I probably should have been prepared for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is, you know, I, I tried to mask my disappointment and I just said, well, you know, that's really upsetting, not because it's a problem, but because you put in a lot of work. And if you can't find that flash drive, then all of your work is lost. And then that's upsetting to me that you put in all that work. And he said, I know. And then the next, the last week of class, he came into class and he had this huge smile on his face. And he said, I found the flash drive. It was in the bottom of my laundry bin. And I said, you didn't wash it, did you? And he said, no, I didn't wash it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. So did you get to check out his editing? Yeah. His editing is, is, good and and he is he is a student like i said i have students with different diagnoses but he is a a student who is on the autism spectrum and i actually think that that is one of his characteristics or traits is that he's very precise and he enjoys things that are somewhat repetitive uh-huh and so the process of listening through the audio file and removing mistakes and taking out false starts and taking out any time where I, as the instructor, interrupted the recording or the interview for some reason. He enjoys doing all of that and making the episode nice and neat and tidy. Yeah. And there's something really satisfying and he has a very high attention to detail. So his, his editing There may be different choices that he could have made in some of his edits, but it's all very precise. There's no mistakes. So he found a way to take his skill and uh, put it to good use in the podcasting realm. Yeah, which I love when we find something that a student is particularly good at and we're able to really, you know, help them move toward that niche and have them inhabit that 
role within the program. And then another thing that we're doing a little bit more and more is social media. So we've been working on using a program called Canva to do uh-huh. some graphic design for social media posts. And some of the students are very visually oriented, even more so than they're verbally oriented. And so that's a place where we're also exploring who likes working with the visuals and the graphics even more so than the actual audio content. Yeah. Nice. And well, and that's the cool thing about podcasting is there are so many different elements to it that mm-hmm. you can have, find a, a wide range of, of skills required, I think. And then, you know, in my case, if you're just one person trying to figure it all out, <laughs> you might not be successful <laughs> at all of them. <laughs> yeah. And I like to encourage them to try each aspect of it and then see what they gravitate towards. And then also, you know, they know, and we constantly are talking about how the first time you do something, it might not be easy. And the second time you do something, it might still not be easy. And you might not be very good at it. And it's fine. But sometimes you have to try it a bunch of times before you start to get into a rhythm and you start to get more confident. And I have students who have now been in the program for several seasons Uh who uh, in the beginning, they didn't want to record anything. They didn't want to do interviews. They didn't want to talk into the recorder. And now when I ask who wants to volunteer for this interview, their hand is the first one going up. And that's really satisfying and rewarding to see as well. Nice. Do they they ever bring people to you that they want to interview? Do they ever have names or or people that that they're really inspired to interview and put on the podcast? Yes, they really want to interview Chance the Rapper. This this request has been coming up. (laughs) Chance is very popular in the Chicago hip-hop scene and high school scene and uh, not so easy to get a hold of (laughs) onto a podcast. They, I mean, they really, they say, can we, can we interview Michelle Obama? And I'll say, if you can find a way to get Michelle Obama on our podcast, please do that as we can. And it's interesting because they have no, you know, my mind is so, oh, well, that's a guest I can never get for my show. I could never get that guest for my show. I immediately shoot it down. But they're like, why not? Can't we just find an email address? Can't we just reach out? Can't we just message them on Instagram or, you know, whatever? So. Uh, they, they're ready to shoot for the moon and get whoever they possibly can. But yeah, they're often looking at celebrities and okay. um, more, famous, more famous people that I have no idea how to get on, on show. <laughs> well, maybe they'll find a way. How exciting that would be. <laughs> that would be great. I tell them, like, you can go on their website, go on their social media. If you can get them, we will do it. <laughs> so have you had any students that have made it through the program and graduated and then implemented this into their life somehow? Have you been doing it long enough to see anything like that happen? Or Yeah, so that's one of my dreams. And there are, you know, limitations as with any program or project, there's always limitations and there's always things that I wish I could do that I can't yet <laughs> or haven't found a way to do yet. So one thing that we're always looking at is 
whether or not the students are going to continue to be podcasters or make their own podcast outside of school, what skills can they take with them and how can they apply that in different areas of their lives and of work? But I do for sure have students who want specifically to continue to make podcasts or work in podcasting. And the other thing besides being a school for students with special needs is that the majority of my students come from low-income families and neighborhoods. And so they don't necessarily all have computers in their household, or they don't necessarily have, you know, a lot of resources to get the tech to make the show or figure out the business side of it, or where do I host my podcast and things like that. And one thing that I've been trying to work out in my head is how to create an extension of this program that would be like, say, an internship or an apprenticeship for students once they have graduated or in our world, we say aged out because once they turn 22, then they can no longer attend classes. So once they have aged out of the program and can no longer be a part of it during the school day, is there a way that I could offer some kind of paid internship, apprenticeship for students who want to continue on through my company and my organization, whether that's hiring you know, one particular student as an editor and making sure he has a plan for backups upon backups upon backups <laughs> <laughs> or whether that's some kind of program where they would be able to create a show of their own that is through my guidance and mentorship and helping them get started and helping them find a way to get the resources they need to create that show. That's something that I'm, I'm looking at and I haven't yet. I've, I've applied for a couple of kind of grant funding type things, but I haven't quite worked out how that would look or how that would work just yet. Well, it sounds like a fantastic idea. So good luck to you for in figuring that out. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and there is one uh, success story in the making too. One of my current students, she's in her, she's done four seasons with me. Okay. She's still in school. I think she has one, I think spring semester will be her last semester at the school. And this all, she actually got an internship with a tech startup here in Chicago. That is an app that I believe is designed to help people who are on the autism spectrum navigate the city a little more successfully. So like, for example, if you are interested in going to this particular museum, the app would have information for you about accessibility. It would have information for you about what the general noise level is at that place that you could expect, any sensory things that you would want to keep in mind, et cetera, et cetera that would not normally be just general information that's on the museum's website, just as an example. And she actually got an internship with this tech startup blogging for them. And the woman who runs the startup is the daughter of our former mayor. And she said, I'm, I was able to meet her at an event for After School Matters. And she said that that was one of the reasons they selected this particular student for the internship is because of all of her podcasting experience so wow yeah that was really great to hear oh that's so awesome that's that was actually the, the 
the last question I have on my list was if you had any success stories. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading your mind. Yeah. Well, but I do want to know, do you know of any other programs like this that are out there around the country anywhere? Or is there, um, if not, is there any way, do you have any suggestions for people that maybe would like to see something like this in their community? Yeah. So I think that what we've created is pretty unique. And I think that there are ways to replicate some of the things that we're doing in places, in different scenarios. And one thing that I have offered in the past, and I definitely can offer to your listeners, is if anyone is working with students, even, even not high school, it could even be elementary students, or middle school students, if so, if any of your listeners are interested in implementing some kind of podcasting program or exploring what that would look like in their own community or school or family, is that you can schedule a 20-minute consultation call with me. And what we generally do is you tell me a few things about what you're thinking or what resources you might have. And I can give you some ideas of what it would take to implement a program or point you in the direction of some resources of what I know has worked in different scenarios. Because I've also done sort of one-off programs for other high school students. I did a two-day boot camp at a summer camp for high schoolers. So there's different ways to implement some of these ideas and strategies. And I'm happy to share some ideas with anyone. And there's a link that I can give you to put in the show notes, thecreativeimposter.com forward slash T420. And that's a free call with me just to talk through what your idea is and I can send you in the right direction. One day I'd like to create a, a curriculum guide that people could purchase. <laughs> but until that time, until that resource exists, <laughs> I'm happy just to share what I can for free. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. What great opportunities you offer for the community. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you coming on and dealing with my crappy internet. <laughs> oh, no worries whatsoever. And, uh, oh, and yeah. I do want to say, I do want to say that I would love for any of your listeners to check out the show that our students are producing. It's called Power Your Story and send us feedback. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube. The students love getting feedback, even if it's just a keep up the good work kind of thing, or if it's a question about something, um, or post a review of the show. They love that kind of uh, interaction. 